Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest, Episode 26 Dale was in his office, very busy with some writing, when Littleton looked in. "'Excuse the interruption, Mr. Dale,' he said, holding out his hand, "'but I did not like to go without saying good-bye to you and the doctor. "'He, however, I find, is not in.' "'Good-bye? You're not going to leave Chillicothe tonight, are you?' cried Godfrey in surprise, as he laid down his pen and took the offered hand. "'Yes, immediately. Hans has everything packed, and the horses saddled, and at the door.' had a night and find I must tarry no longer. Please give my respects and adieus to the doctor, he added as he hurried away. I wonder, he's not afraid to risk traffic only his servant, who might rob and kill him and nobody in any the wiser, thought Dale. Well, he remarked aloud, resuming his pen, I suppose it's no affair of mine. Was it a haunting doubt of Hans' fidelity or some other motive? that led Littleton to turn to him as they left the town and bid him ride by his side instead of behind him. However that may have been, he kept a sharp watch upon his valet's movements. Presently he took him into his confidence in some degree, partially unfolding a plot to get Clendenin into his power and securing the Hessians' cooperation by the promise of a bribe. They pressed forward all that night and the next day, pausing only for a short rest when their horses showed signs of exhaustion. The greater part of the way was very lonely. They had met no one since early morning. When toward the close of the day they overtook a man mounted on a sorry nag and jogging long in silence and solitude, a villainous looking fellow in whom Littleton at once recognized one of his intended tools, whose acquaintance he had made on the outward-bound journey of some months ago, and whom he had casually discovered to be an enemy to Dr. Clendenin. It was, in fact, Brannon, who had never forgotten or forgiven the part Kenneth had had in his conviction of the theft of the great coat, handkerchief, and shirt abstracted from the dwelling of the barbers. Littleton held him with, Hello, Brannon, you're the very man I was wanting to see. And who may you be, returned the fellow surly, showing a scowling face as he glanced back over his shoulder at the speaker, then suddenly wheeling his horse around the narrow path so as to bar their further progress. What do you want with me? he demanded in a tone of one who feels himself at enmity with his kind. To furnish you with a bit of employment very much to your taste, answered Littleton. And what may that be? Ha, I remember you now, the English gent that was a-going out to Chillicothe some months back, and had so many questions to ask about Dr. Clendenin. Well, did ye find it all out? It? Yes, it whatever you wanted to know. Yes, I found out what I suspected before, that he is very much in my way. And, but before I lay my plans open to you, I must have you promise your oath of secrecy. Them's easy given, the fellow answered with an unpleasant laugh. I promise to never tell no ta tales concerning what you're a-going to say. 
Very well, Clinton is traveling in this direction with no companion but a servant who, I take it is neither very brave nor strong. A malicious gleam of satisfaction shone in Brandon's eyes. Littleton noted it with pleasure. We could not have a better opportunity, he went on. You who have an old score against him, and I who find him, as I just said, entirely too much in my way. What are you at, mister? Out with it, plump and plain, Brandon said with an impatient gesture and a volley of oaths. As Littleton came to a pause and looked hesitatingly at him, I ain't no fancy for this air beating about the bush. Is it his life you want or not? No, no, I'm no murderer, Littleton exclaimed with a shudder and a fearful glance from side to side. But patience, man, I'll explain a few words. We'll call this doctor a mad fellow. Perhaps it isn't so very far from the truth. Ha ha. And we'll take him prisoner and keep him such somewhere in these woods until I can make arrangements to remove him to a madhouse. Brandon listened with a grim smile. But look ye here, stranger, he interrupted. What if he should get free peach on us? We must take care that he doesn't, and I'll make it worth your while to take the risk. Can you get help in capturing him? Brandon nodded. Here comes one now that'll bear a hand willingly if you give him his price. And as he spoke, he waved his hand toward a tall, burly figure just emerging from the wood a few paces from them. Three of us, muttered Hans, watching its approach. That is really good and minor too. Four against two, we takes them prisoner without fail. The last comer was drawing near with long and rapid strides. What's that? he asked sharply and bringing his rifle to his shoulder. Ah, is it you, Jack? What's up? Yes, it's me, Bill Shark, answered Brandon. Come on, here's a Jan as has a job suited to the likes of us. As the fellow came near enough for a distinct view of his features, Littleton involuntarily shrank from him. So brutal and forbidding was their expression. But recovering himself instantly, he repeated substantially, and under the same promise of secrecy, what he had been saying to Brannon. I'm your man, if we can agree on the terms, was the rejoinder. I'll want a pretty stiff price, mind ye, stranger, for it's like to be a risky business. More so than if ye wanted him put clean out o' the way, for dead men tell no tales, you know. Littleton shook his head. No, no, I can't stay my hands with blood, his or that of any other man. The ruffian regarded him with a brutal sneer and a muttered sentence of which the only audible words were, White coward. Littleton reeved under the char charge, but dared not resent it. In fact, he began to feel himself in a perilous position. Darkness was already settling down over the forest. He had not full confidence in his valet, and these others were evidently unscrupulous scoundrels. How much ahead are you? Did ye say? queried Shark. I think we have the start of him by from five to eight hours, replied Littleton. Besides, we have pushed on more rapidly than he would be likely to, as you may judge, by the condition of our horses. Hmm, then he'll most likely be along here about this time or a trifle earlier, tomorrow. Stop for his lodging at Brannon's, just above here a little, back in the woods, or at my shanty five miles further on. Twon't make much difference. Whichever he stops with, the other'll help entertain him. And stranger, we can turn out pretty strong on occasion. I've two strapping sons and a nevy and the other 
woman can help lend a helping hand too when she's wanted. Supposing you and Brannon and this other feller come over home with me now and let's talk it over. We'll determine just what's to be done and I'll set my price. Littleton had felt a cold chill running down his spine during the speech, and at the moment would gladly have put many mouths between him and what he began to suspect was an organized band of robbers and cutthroats. But evidently it would not do to show fear. Carefully steadying his voice, he courteously thanked Shark for his invitation, but declined it on the plea that they all, himself, hands, and both their horses were in sore need of rest, for which reason they would stop for the night with Brannon, his house being so much nearer. This seemed satisfactory, and thither they all went. Thank you for listening to another episode of Makersoft Story Classic.